Church family, I am so thankful for a, a Lord that holds all things together. Um, I'm just feeling myself really torn between all of the emotions that are being expressed, um, the trials, the grief, and um, I'm feeling on the one hand swollen with joy over a message I get to preach this morning and what Jesus will speak through it. And on the other hand, I too am grieving. It's the last message I preach before sabbatical. And so I just want to acknowledge that, that I'm feeling that as I stand up to preach and um, trust the Lord to hold me and to hold all of us um, and to fill us with his joy because there's so much, so much joy. So Lord, would you do that as we open your word? Um, it is your, your word. It's eternal. Your word has power. And Lord, we pray, um, strengthen us, build us up, give us vision for what you are doing. Fill us with joy, Jesus, as we open and read and take in your word. Amen. It's the last sermon from Acts. We're going to shift gears after today, and maybe we'll step back into Acts later, but this will be the last sermon from the book of Acts for the time being. And um, this comes from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Actually, I'm going to start at 41. What page is it on, Lori? 1693. 1693. So last week, Pastor Gina preached up through verse 41, which ended with, those who accepted his message, Peter's message, were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. God's word. I think a handful of you may remember a story that I shared about four or five years ago of one of my favorite people, whose name is Father Damien. Father Damien was a, a Belgian, so from Europe, Belgian priest who, whose first call was to the Hawaiian Islands. They were called the Cook Islands, I think, at that time. Cook Islands. And um, Father Damien was assigned to Hawaii, the largest island. And uh, if you know anything about it, it's quite big and has a, a vast and varied terrain. And the whole island was his parish. And so he arrived and he literally began um, building a church building with his bare hands. So he cut down trees, constructed a building, 
But more than that, he began to build a church. He began to share the gospel and to visit people all over the island. And over the course of 10 years, his ministry, his ministry began um, to be legendary because of his love for people. So he would walk 10 miles one way through mountainous terrain just to serve communion to somebody, just to bring them the grace of God, just to visit and to ask how they were doing. And so all over the island, um, people came to Jesus and began to come a part of this church because of the love and the dedication of Father Damien. Well, at the end of 10 years, uh, the area bishop came and gathered together the priests of all the Hawaiian islands. And he told them what they had already begun to hear, namely that there was an outbreak of leprosy. And um, he told them that the, the people who... Uh, were found to have leprosy, were being forcibly removed from their families, put on ships, and sent to the island of Molokai. All this they knew. What they didn't know, and what the, the bishop shared through tears with them, was that as of now, they were being told that anybody who landed on Molokai could no longer leave. Which meant that anyone who went there to minister went there for good. And so the priest shared, the bishop shared this with a group of priests and he said to them through tears, I cannot bring myself to, to, to tell any one of you that you must go. And before he even finished that sentence, <clears throat> Damien was on his knees before the priest saying, let me go, let me go, let me go. And so the priest granted his request and Damien sailed to Molokai, and when he showed up, what he found was a scene of utter squalor, chaos, and hopelessness. Because everybody there had been, again, forcibly ripped apart from the families, the people that they knew and loved, herded off to die without any help or hope of any kind. And so all that they were doing was living wild and loose lives, sleeping with anyone they could, and making alcohol out of roots and drinking it to numb their pain. That was their life. And so Damien showed up and he immediately from day one began to care for them. And so he, he, without any regard for himself, just started to bandage the lepers. He would change their, their, their um, dressings and he would bandage them each day. And he set about finding a water supply on the other source of the other side of the island and making a way for them to have water. And he began to lead the way in building buildings and making a community. And wouldn't you know it, he began to lead a church because people were just overcome by the love of Jesus through Father Damien. He buried every single person who died by himself. He dug the grave and buried everyone. And for the first two years of his ministry there, he buried a person a day. So great was his love that the whole island came to Jesus. The whole island, because of his love, just overcome with a wave of love. Several years into his ministry there, he got up in front of what was now his congregation. And he addressed them. He began to address them, not like he normally did with my brothers and sisters, but with the words, we lepers, we lepers. Because Father Damien was now one of them. Because Father Damien had come and he had not shrunk back. He had not 
been afraid to touch, and he himself had contracted leprosy, and that was how he died, a friend among friends. The Bible says greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for another. And I think the thing that makes Father Damien's love so beautiful is the fact that it was freely and willingly poured out. That nobody said to him, you must go. If the bishop had said, you're assigned to Molokai and he went and he cared, it would have been good. But it was beautiful. It was beautiful because he said, let me go. He freely, willingly chose to go. You see that difference? I want to talk to you about that difference because I think that principle, that difference is at work in our text today in Acts. If you've been around the church for any length of time, and those of you who are new, you'll hear this, you'll inevitably hear somebody in the church say, you know what the church needs? (laughs) We all have an opinion, don't we? You know what the church needs? We need to get back to our roots. We We need to get back to the early church. We need to get back to, like, Acts, and we need to do those things that they did in Acts 2, 42 to 47. We need to devote ourselves to those things. That's what the church needs. But you know what? That doesn't work. Because this church in Acts was not saying to themselves, we need to get back to Acts 2, 42. We need to get back. You know what the church needs? They weren't doing that. They weren't compelled. Nobody was telling them, you should sell your property and give it away. You should be one with these fellow believers. You should have such a deep love for Jesus that you can't stop worshiping and praying. And you should be hungry to learn from the apostles about what Jesus taught. Nobody was telling them that. What happened was they were caught up, washed over by a river of God's love and grace. 3,000 people got baptized with love on Pentecost Day. 3,000 people got stared in the face by Peter and told, you killed the Son of God. And 3,000 people went, what do we do? And 3,000 people heard what they could only never have imagined. Repent. Be baptized. Into who? Into the one who was killed, but who rose. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people just got told that if they turned around, if they said, I'm sorry, if they said, God, I believe that you gave Jesus, that they would receive the spirit of the one that they'd contributed to killing with their sins. 3,000 people in one day received the spirit of Jesus. The one who is love. The one who's joy. The one who's peace. 3,000 people got caught up in a river of God's love. If you think in pictures, think like this. I see the Father in heaven saying to Jesus, who's on the throne, now's the time. Pour out. Pour out. And there's this outpouring of the Father's love onto the church. 3,000 people. Receiving Jesus, being united to God, being filled with him. 3,000 people here on earth overcome, overwhelmed. They can't help it. They cannot help but say, who is this Jesus that we've just 
believed in and received. And so they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Teach us. You were with him. You saw him. You saw what he did. You saw how he loved people and what he taught. You heard him. Teach us. They couldn't help it. They said, teach us. And they loved to be together with each other. They were like a family. They loved to be with the Lord. They loved to worship. They were just filled with Jesus. And, and Jesus overflowed from them. And so the same Jesus that embodied the radical generosity of God that would give away everything so that we could have it was now being lived out of them. That Jesus was living his life out of them. They were giving themselves away so that other people could experience the love of God, the care of God, the provision of God, the grace of God. Can you see it? Can you see the river? Can you see that picture? There's a river of God's love flowing from heaven down through this church and rippling out into the community. Luke says, God added to their number daily, daily, those who were being saved. And I want to say something about one word that Luke uses. The word is fellowship, and it's an English translation of the Greek word koinonia. But it doesn't come across perfectly clear, because I think when we say fellowship, we mean like like going to have donuts and um, talking together, right, and enjoying good conversation or maybe maybe going over to each other's home and, oh, we have good fellowship together. It's being together with, with a sense of enjoying each other and warmth, and we call that fellowship, don't we? But this Greek word fellowship, it's much deeper. What it means is literally, and it's not a Christian word. Luke's adopted it for its use here. What it means is oneness created by shared purpose. Oneness created by shared purpose. This is a group of people that have been caught up, caught up in the river of God's grace. God is pouring out his Holy Spirit on earth. God is coming to live in people. The Spirit of Jesus, behold, I'm making all things new. Jesus, and they got caught up in it. They received, they experienced, they were washed over by this river of grace. And they shared in that together. Oneness created by shared purpose. But they didn't share just to receive. They shared to give away because what God was doing in them was for everyone. And so there's this sense of it's not done. The river's still flowing. That river didn't just hit us and stop. The river's still flowing. And it's kind of like they got caught up in the current of the river, and the river carried them. That river of love carried them, and it carried them, and it propelled them. And they had a shared life together, full of joy. It's that life that Damien lived and brought and everyone got carried into that love as he came to Molokai. They got carried, they got swept up. This group of people that Luke's writing about, this is a picture of a group of people that have been swept up by the river of God's love. And friends, what I want to say to you is that you don't start, we don't start 
by saying we need to devote ourselves. Nowhere in here does Luke write that as an imperative. Devote yourselves. You start by looking at Jesus Christ in all of his love and his beauty and his glory and his mercy and in receiving Jesus Christ through repentance and forgiveness of sins. And you receive the spirit of Jesus and Jesus produces this life and this joy that flows over. Jesus produces this devotion. And friends, that's what Jesus is doing right here. Right here. There's a river of God's love that is flowing through this family and through this church that is catching us up. And I need to just mention ways that we can look around and see that river at work in our midst, producing the same things that we see in Acts. I think of at least half of us were here last Sunday evening. We had a family gathering when we heard Scott Green say, when you gathered around me as a group last Sunday morning and started to pray for me, it felt like half the church came around me. And as you prayed, the sky got bright and love washed over me and all my years of bitterness and anger were washed away. It's the river of God's love flowing through Scott's life from you. And we heard Tammy say that when the Sterenbergs decided to have a Friendsgiving and a Christmas giving get together and invite a bunch of people that she walked into an atmosphere that was so thick with love like you'd never experienced before and you were swept in by the current of that love. And who can forget two and a bit years ago when Vic came up to give a two-minute testimony, if I remember correctly, two minutes, Vic, about what God was teaching him at Dunamis, and the Spirit of God came on him, and he just began to exhort us about the love of God. And if you've never experienced this love, it's so deep and so rich, and it's unlike anything in this world you've ever tried or tasted. And you must, if you haven't, you must taste that love today. And about five minutes later, Somebody stood up and grabbed the microphone and said, I need that. (laughs) I need that. Yeah. And somebody got swept up into the current of God's love. And a couple of months later, somebody else said, I need that. And got swept up into this family of Jesus Christ. Friends, Jesus is sweeping up. The river of his love is flowing and he's sweeping us up. He's sweeping some back in, back in, and he's sweeping some in for the first time and he's filling with his love. There's a river, the love of God that's flowing in this place. But Jesus is working in in other ways too. We are in awe at what Jesus is doing because he's healing. He's healing physically. I, I started to recount to myself this week and I I lost track, but I'll, let me just see what I can remember here, okay? Betty Shull, bleeding in her heart that they cannot stop, and so she gets sent to Ann Arbor, but prayers for healing before she goes, and she arrives at Ann Arbor, and they say, there's nothing wrong, ma'am. There's no bleeding. Terry, scheduled for surgery, 
prayers for healing, goes into surgery the next day. Ma'am, there's no problem here. Patricia, in ICU on her deathbed, and the doctor said, it's time to let go and say goodbye. We'll be having a funeral this week. And Jesus raised her from near death. Vic, and the doctor's saying, your T cell count is 20 times normal and you need to put your affairs in order. You won't live out six months. Jesus, completely eradicating, taking away all that cancer. Jesus touching us. We've been, we've been following this same Jesus. We've been watching him for two years through Luke. We've gone passage by passage through the gospel of Luke. We've looked at him. We've, we've marveled and wondered at him coming into our world, into our lives, not being afraid of our sin and sickness, but coming to touch and to love and to heal and drawing us in and driving out evil. And we've been experiencing Jesus doing these things. Jesus drawing your family now to the Lord. Mom and dad on their deathbeds in the same year, giving their lives to Jesus. Reuniting you with your sister. Bringing your sister into the kingdom of God. Us praying together for Lori to to receive the Holy Spirit because that's what Jesus promises every follower. And Lori being caught up in a vision of Jesus right in front of our eyes. It was wonderful. The Lord is wonderful. Jesus, Jesus saving, Jesus healing, Jesus driving out evil, but Jesus also producing radical generosity among us. And so I think of Stephanie's car dying a month or so ago and a group of people getting together and saying, we'll buy you a new car. And I think of the way in which I've seen some people in our congregation help to pay with other people's tuition. And the way in which I've seen radical generosity toward the church. And the way in which I have seen us take meals to each other, care for each other, uncompelled by anyone, gather together and say, let's get together and let's share a meal and let's pray and let's grow in Christ together. We don't have any small group program here, but there's small groups because people have said, let's be together. Let's pray. Let's share the love that we have in the Lord together. Jesus, the river, the river of his life, the river of his spirit is catching us up catching us up. And I want to step back for a minute, church, and say, where is all of this going? Where are we going? Where did this river go? Where did this river go? This, this week, um, I had the privilege of going out for breakfast with Scott Green the day before he went into jail. We had a wonderful time at breakfast, and we went out to the van, and we prayed together for a while. And um, as we were praying... Um, He held me, hugged me for minutes on end as the love of God just kept washing over him. 
And um, then he prayed for me. And I said, Scott, pray for me for my sermon this Sunday. And he started to pray. And all of a sudden he stopped. And he said, Pastor Dave, I just keep hearing Acts, Acts, Acts 13. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I'm preaching on Acts 2, which I didn't think he knew. But what what does Acts 13 have to do? And so I went and I read Acts 13 and Acts 14. You know what that is? Acts 13 starts where it says the leaders of the church were, um, were worshiping and fasting together. And the Holy Spirit said, now set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work or the ministry that I've called them to. And Paul and Barnabas were going to take the gospel out. In other words, the river was going to widen. They were going to take it out to the, to the Gentiles, to those who did not yet know or hear of Jesus. And so um, what I read through those next two chapters was a, a pattern of them visiting, I don't know, six or seven places. But it was they'd show up, the Lord to direct their path. They'd show up, they'd follow the Lord, they'd show up at a place, they'd share the message of Jesus, there'd be some initial fruit, and then there'd be resistance, and there'd be hardship, and then they would kind of get thrust out of that place, and they'd go on to the next one, and there'd be fruit, and some would come to Jesus, and then there'd be hardship and resistance. And I felt like the Lord, I was saying, Lord, why did you... Why did you um, lead me here? Why were you speaking this to Scott? Because I I believe it was the Lord that was speaking it to him. And I felt the Lord say, what you're experiencing right now at Gold Avenue Church is what the church in Acts 2 was experiencing. This oneness in me, this fullness of my love, this seeing me work to draw people to me, seeing and experiencing my power and my being real. I'm real. I'm alive and I'm in your lives and you're, you're, you're delighting in it. But this period, I felt like the Lord was saying, is an incubation period. Not that this stuff goes away. It doesn't. But that it prepares the church for what's to come. And so what's coming, church? Well, last Sunday evening, you heard our board chair, Ken Adema, say that as a board, we've been praying for a couple years about how we might respond to what God's doing. And you heard him talk about four areas where we felt called to focus. Worship, prayer, care, and equipping or teaching. Now I want to tell you something fun. Those are the four things that they devoted themselves to in Acts. And we didn't even know that when we chose them. We did not choose them because they were the four things in Acts. We chose them because we were praying and saying, Lord, how do we respond? What's our part as leaders and as a church to what you're actively doing in our midst? Jesus, you have a purpose for us, and how do we respond? And so what is the Lord doing? And why were we praying that way? We're praying that way because the Lord's been speaking about his purposes. And so a couple of years ago, uh, gentleman, a worship leader who lived in another state, woke up in the morning with a vision of our church, woke up from sleep, seeing a picture of a river of God flowing down the sanctuary, out the doors and onto the streets. And then a couple months later, somebody else was praying 
and he began to experience a waking vision of a picture of a wave of water coming and crashing over the church. And as it receded, there was a beautiful picture of rejoicing and kind of an in, like the wave. You know how waves, when they come to shore, they bring things with them? This wave brought with it many new people. Like the family got bigger, like many people came into the kingdom of God. And then, a couple months after that, we heard from a group of people from some other Christian Reformed churches in the area that two times, completely unprompted by any human being, they had been gathered for prayer and moved by the Holy Spirit to spend a long period of time praying for this little church on the west side. That somehow or another they had a sense from the Lord that this little church was going to be used to bring revival on the west side in the broader church. That Jesus had a plan for his river of life to flow out from this place and touch many for his glory. Praise the Lord. That's right. Yeah. And so... How's that going to happen? If, is it going to happen by us devoting ourselves and all our energy and effort to these four things? No, not first and foremost. It's going to happen as we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. As we follow him. As we continue to receive and grow in the love that our Savior has for us as we expand our capacity to receive that love, it will flow from us. We have got to keep our eyes on Jesus. But as we keep our eyes on Jesus, Jesus will help us to devote ourselves. And I want to say something about that word devote. To devote means literally to give all or a large percentage of one's time, energy, and resources to something. And here's what I want to tell you. I don't think those 3,000 people in Jerusalem quit their day jobs. I don't think they did. I don't think they formed a commune and just worshipped and prayed around the clock. I don't think they did. I think they kept their jobs, but I think Jesus Christ and his kingdom became so important to them that all of a sudden the rest of life around those jobs began to revolve around being together, sharing life together, growing in Jesus and in his grace, sharing it, living out Jesus' generosity. And so I do want to not call, but I want to invite us. I want to invite us to devote ourselves all the more as a response to Jesus and what he's doing in our church. Devote ourselves to learning about him, apostles' teaching, they're passing on Jesus' teaching, to worship, to prayer, to being together. And for those of you who may be sitting here this morning and saying, Pastor Dave, you seem really excited, but I'm not feeling it. I would just invite you to come deeper into the river. Maybe you've heard the message of Jesus before. Maybe you've even received him, but maybe you're standing on the edge with your toes in. Come, come into the river. And I say to the Lord, 
Lord, this is your church. We are your church. We're your family. Come, let the river flow in this place. Let the river of God flow like it did at Pentecost into our hearts, out through this church, onto the streets, into the neighborhood. Let it flow. Can I get a hallelujah or an amen? Amen. Thank you. All right. Let's stand and sing a prayer of response. Let the river flow. Swollen at a number of points. And I just, you know, again, the, the sermon was in me for today, and I sense the Lord saying, the river's already there, but it's swelling. It's swelling at Gold Avenue Church. And he brought back to my mind, actually, Pastor Jalisa's sermon from a couple of weeks ago, where she used this beautiful image of the loom and um, every thread coming in at just the right time. And I just want to say to you, every one of us, every one of you is here because Jesus has called you here. And because you have a part to play in Jesus' unfolding story in and through this family. P.S. Amen.